You are now entering the world of Musings of a Geek Podcast Network. Stay geeky, my friends. Welcome to episode 113 of 40 Going On 14. I am Mike. I am Patrick. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh. And uh, the movies we watched this week taught me one lesson. If you're struggling in your career, all you got to do is find the competition and beat the living fuck out of them. Well, yeah. Yeah. So slightly living less, out of that. <laughs> yeah. Slightly less applicable if you're a Lyft or Uber driver. At least that's the story I'm going to stick to when uh, Chicago cabbies start showing up in local ERs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the difference is you just run them over. You don't beat yes. them up. Well, yeah, yeah. You hit them with what you've got. And yep. you have a car. So there you go. Excellent. So uh, if that didn't give it away, as it always does, uh, <laughs> <laughs> our show this week is on hockey movies. I thought you were yes. talking about murder. No, that's next week. Yeah, we're oh. talking specifically about hockey movies based on, like, enforcer thug-type characters yeah. that are based on books. Was the first one based on a book? Absolutely. Really? I did not know that. So we are the two that, movies that we watched this week are uh, Slapshot and Goon uh, from 2014? No. No. 2011. 2011. Goon. Put it in the show notes. Jesus. 2011. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, we got our hockey because to celebrate the start of the hockey season, which is kind of a big thing in the Chicagoland area. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, uh, yeah, I remember last year after the Hawks won the, um, the celebration and having to ride the train on the way in at 630 in the morning with people that were already drunk. <laughs> no, still drunk. Yeah. A little bit of column A, a little bit of column B, I think. <laughs> so I'm like, that's not V8 juice. I can smell that from here. That's a Bloody Mary. Pure genius. That's what that yeah, is. Yeah. I was about to say, you're more jealous than anything. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Why didn't you I know, think of that? If you'd like some pure genius, Ooh. <laughs> where you should go is the Musings of a Geek Podcast Network. And what would I find there? Uh, you'd find geeky podcasts, us, and such great shows as the Pittsburgh Nerd Pod, Salty Language, The War Pod, Dark Angels and Pretty Freaks, and The Arrow of Time. And of course, everyone's favorite sports show, The Left Field Sports Lounge. Yes, which we have held on and nobody has listened to yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be to a point where we're going to have been pimping their show for like a year every week after the, like the last episode they recorded. Yeah, I'm waiting for them to show up at my door and be like, "All right, asshole." Well, no one has 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 called us out for it, so obviously our pimping of it is is not working because no one is going there and saying, "I'm looking for this show," and then they call call us and say that show doesn't <laughs> exist anymore. Well, so maybe we need a different approach. Maybe we need to get some print media going. Uh, yeah, no, I, I started think, an online petition. Bring back the left field. Take a, yeah, well, let's take out some ads for the left field sports lounge. <laughs> I wish anyone would work as hard in promoting us as we do in promoting the left field sports lounge. <laughs> I'm getting a coffee mug made. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, they'd cool. be interested in our hockey show this week. Yeah, they would. It is a sport True. thing. We should tag them in the in the podcast upload. <laughs> Somewhere their phone beeps. What? <laughs> we haven't done that show for a year and a half. There's a sound I haven't heard in a long time. <laughs> I haven't heard since... <laughs> since 2013. You leave me hanging there, man. And if you're also looking for... So that for, was a quote from Star Wars. Oh. Obi-Wan. He said, that's a name I haven't heard since... And he just stopped. All right. I, <laughs> yes, can't believe it, I can't believe a Star Wars reference went by everyone. No, I, no, I got it. Okay, good. Wasn't funny, but... I didn't say it was fun. Uh, moving on. Geek I'm going Life home. Radio. You are home. home. That was quick. <laughs> Geek Life Radio. If you're looking for something to listen to while you're watching Star Wars on Saturday at noon... <laughs> Feel free to go to Geek Life Radio and listen to 40 Going On 14, which will be streaming at that moment. That's us. That is us. Very is good. Us. And if you're looking for some older stuff, uh, hit to iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, and TalkShoe, where the, our entire uh, catalog of shows is there, TalkShoe. And uh, go to 708-NOW-RAP, 708-669-9727 if you want to leave us a message. I'm going to say five words to anybody going through our back catalog. Avoid the Peter Pan show. <laughs> Yeah, we were discussing the Peter Pan show earlier, and we realized retrospectively what a shit show that was. We did not, not do best topic work. justice. No. We may have to do that topic again someday. Just to Yeah, one, one time when you're not in the situation you were in. And <laughs> we're not going to bring up. Yeah, no. You weren't in that situation, and I wasn't shit-faced the entire time. <laughs> so uh, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail... You can do that at 708-NOW-RAP, that's 708-669-9727. Or you could uh, reach out to us on Twitter at 40Going-On-14, no, at 40Go-14, or uh, on Gmail at uh, 40Go-14 <laughs> at gmail.com. You confused yourself there for a second. Uh, yeah. Gmail? I had, <laughs> I had nothing to do with that. All right, so speaking of voicemails, I hear we have a voice from the past that has come back to haunt us. <laughs> yes, it's true. Black blood of the earth. <laughs> so. uh, let's see what we got here hey here we go this looks like a voicemail i didn't screen this one. Oh, oh here we go good morning fuckers <laughs> charlie i'm calling about halloween now my favorite costume or the most notable costumes as i was a child uh i remember i was about five or six and i had one of those plastic pieces of shit you get from the grocery store and i was yoda i had a single piece of elastic staple to the plastic mask and then the e-plastic bag that you put over yourself with the printing on it and that was yoda and i remember this because every time you go out in one of those things, you'd, the mask would always move around. You'd always wind up with a slobbery mouth slit on those things because, you know, you're, you're a kid and, and nothing works and it's cold and your nose is runny. But I remember this one in particular because I was walking and I was stepping over a large stick. And uh, someone had picked up the other end of the large stick. It was like a tree branch that had fallen in a, in a yard. And I tripped over it, and my arms got caught in the plastic, and I face-planted, and, and I smashed my face right into the street. And I remember a bunch of kids that were around, like, helping me get up and helping me gather my candy that had gone sprawling out across the street. And everyone was asking, hey, can I have this? Can I have that? Can I have this? And I, I to my knowledge, to I mean, to, to this day, I don't know if they were seriously asking or if they were just trying to get my mind off the fact that I just face-planted in a plastic Yoda mask. And another one, uh, a few years later, I was... 
probably about 10 or 11. There was this, uh, this foamy zombie-ish makeup shit. And it was like a three-part thing, and it had a little cup that you mix it in. You mix it in with hot water, and it got all foamy, and then you'd smear the shit on your face, and it would dry to like a cake, ashy, broken. I feel like this is an excerpt from John Doe's diary. And I thought that was the coolest thing ever because I was the first, I was the only person I saw that had that, that stuff that year, and and I've never seen it before or after. It causes cancer. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's my shit. I don't buy candy anymore. Uh, my kids, they get uh, they get a respectable amount, and w- usually we don't let them have too much because they're kind of jerks and they don't deserve candy most of the time. <laughs> their behavior doesn't warrant it. <laughs> So mostly, if anyone shows up at our house on Halloween, I just give them stuff that the kids got last year <laughs> because you know I'm frugal. I feel this this needs like a couch and a notepad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. I also, <laughs> and that's how it ends. Uh, did he say I also? Yeah, he's like yeah, yeah, and I also, and then it cut off. <laughs> nice. Quality this is going to be always. the longest pause he's ever put into a voicemail. I was going to call back next week. There you go. Finish the sentence. <laughs> Way to commit, Charlie. I'm this. That was like the saddest voicemail we've ever had. <laughs> and I saw it was three minutes, and I thought, sure, that uh, he had snuck in a pause somewhere. But it was a no. Sad. He just. It was just like a confession. <laughs> yeah, that was like why I hate Halloween. I feel sorry for you, Charlie. <laughs> sorry, Charlie. <laughs> and now I don't. <laughs> All right, so uh, that was that. Um, any other voicemails, Josh? No, no, that was the one. All right. I, I thought that was interesting and informative. That was. Yes. So I uh, think it's about that time. Oh, yeah. Music. Movies. TV. And sports. All right, so this year in the this weekend is 1977, the year that Slapshot was released, that Paul Newman classic. And apparently nobody else has to contribute on that, so I'll keep going. <laughs> well, so, we'll be talking about it. We figure yeah. you got it for now. All right. All right. I, I, there will be plenty of discussion on that later. All right, so music. The number one song in the land is You Light Up My Life by Debbie Boone which knocked off the Star Wars-themed Cantina Band song from the top spot on October 15th. It's actually kind of amazing to me that the Cantina song was number one on the charts. And for that long, too. Yeah. And then You Light Up My Life started in mid-October and retained its number one spot until uh, now, basically. (laughs) Yeah. Hmm. Well, not 2015, but you know what I mean. For a long time. Yeah, until uh, November 5th. Yeah, and it kept going. It was like almost to the end of the year that that old Debbie Boone hung on to that spot because everybody wants to hear You Light Up My Life. No, they don't. But uh, Gitano... Yeah, that song might actually be more depressing than Charlie's voicemail. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Gaetano Alberto Guy Lombardo was a Canadian-American composer, band leader, and violinist who formed the Royal Canadians in 1924 with his brothers Carmen, Lebert, 
I'm going to go with Leibert on that. And, sure. And Victor Leibert. and other musicians from his hometown. He led the group to international success, billing themselves as creating the sweetest music this side of heaven. The Lombardos are believed to have sold between 100 and 300 million phonograph records during their lifetimes. Holy crap. Which, yeah, is insane considering the numbers. Yeah. Uh, Guy Lombardo had uh, begun decomposing on November 5th when he dies in Houston. Hmm. That was a terrible pun, Ja. But Thank still, you. what else? Give me a song that they did. Oh, guy, uh, that's a good question. I'm that's pretty sure they were big band, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, they were definitely big band. Yeah. Well, yeah, 1940, 24. And just to sell that many records in the you know the the 20s, 30s, and 40s is and, pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, Odd long scene for old old lang syne. Oh, that too. <laughs> you know me. He did yeah, something I, called enjoy I'm, yourself. I'm just focusing on the names of the brothers. I mean, if they're Canadian. Gaetano, Carmen, Victor. It's got to be Labear. Yeah, yeah, just like Abear. Yeah, Labear probably. Labert. Labert. Lives with Laerni. <laughs> the famous Sesame Street character from Canada, Laerni. Laerni and Labert. Hey, Labert. Labert. Also, 1977, William Joel Bucky Covington III. Born November 8th, 1977, is an American country music singer who placed 8th on the 5th season of American Idol. His self-titled debut album was released in April 2007 and debuted at the number 1 spot on the Billboard Top Country Albums chart and produced 3 hit singles. So, movies... The number one movie in the land is Julia, starring Hal Holbrook. Never heard of it. Um, best I can get, it's two women in being threatened by the Nazis. Mm. So, just like in a room. No, it's like <laughs> just a bunch of Nazis come in. I, I'm just going to toss this out here. That's that was like the thumbnail that I got out of it, and all I really did was kind of read the poster. It doesn't look like anything I would ever like willingly watch. So. If you're waiting for us to do a Julia starring Hal Holbrook movie uh, show, you're going to be uh, disappointed. Out of luck. They, yeah. they were in an interrogation room in a New York City police department. All right. So uh, Brittany Murphy, American actress known for 8 Mile, Clueless. That was a Barney Miller joke. Yeah, thank you. Uh, <laughs> girl Interrupted and as the voice of Luann on, uh, uh-oh, acronym of the week. Josh? Y- you actually have to say what the acronym oh, is. Oh, T-K-O-T-H. <laughs> T-K-O-T-H. If I told you to kiss my ass in this show yet? <laughs> no. Yeah, kiss my ass. All right, T-K-O-T-H. Of course, that's testicle kickball on the homeland. <laughs> I thought you were going to end it with homeless. So I'm... <laughs> testicle kickball of the homeless. Dude, I would watch that. <laughs> yeah, I think that's better. We'll go with that. I had a mouthful of rum. <laughs> you fucker. I almost ruined my microphone. <laughs> So, uh, of course, that is not correct, though no. Yeah, it's actually the King of the Hill. Yes. It's the, the, oh, it doesn't belong there, but. What? This is King of the Hill. Oh, oh. you're right. You are right. But it oh, makes for a better comedy. Cool. So, so yeah. either yeah, I was going to say, that was the only way I was able to get in a crotch joke, and you guys <laughs> officially disapprove every time I, I go <laughs> off script. So <laughs> He just ignores our notes over and over. <laughs> Stick to the crotch. So uh, on November 10th. I tell the ladies. <laughs> yeah, my That's underwear the gets the same notes. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and we broke him. Um, November 10th, 1977. She was born, Brittany Murphy. But she's also known for just dying. 
on December 20th on 2009. That was such a shock. Did, what did she die from? Did, anybody, did they ever... I think it was an overdose. Oh, uh, really? You know, I thought everyone assumed it was drugs and it turned out it wasn't. Ah. Uh, oh, that's a twist. I, or maybe that was somebody else. No, I think you're right. I think there was a big thing that uh, her dad or somebody kind of stepped in and uh, said, you know, hey, that's not really what happened. And I'm looking it up right now. Uh, it looks like there were drugs involved, but they were prescription and over the counter, and she was both anemic and had pneumonia. Ooh, mm. that's a one-two punch right there. So that she deliberate deliberate poisoning on heavy meds, including antiminium and barium, with the possible cause of Brittany's Murphy's Brittany Murphy's death. But yeah, it's it's really kind of a crap bag so you either way you guys get a bonus there's two death in uh this weekend this week i snuck two of them in there yes why can't i have two death and no kids <laughs> wow uh, looking here uh apparently Brittany murphy's husband at the time her husband uh, yeah. simon monjack died five months later of again pneumonia and anemia he was that. heavily uh implicated in her death i remember that because he fought for months, you know, trying to say it wasn't his fault and this and that because apparently, you know, this prescription drug she was on didn't, there was something about how they didn't mix or whatever, but he kept in, encouraging her to keep taking it or something like that. Hmm. All right. So, and then that, there was a huge implication that he committed suicide. He also made her mop the floor with bleach and ammonia, too. So that was. No, RID, RID is an over the counter drug, honey. Take it. <laughs> <laughs> so on TV, the top shows are Laverne and Shirley, Happy Days, and Three's Company, shown all in a row on primetime on ABC. Coming back on a door. Take a step that is new. Take a step that is new. <laughs> like it is our hers and hers and his three's company team. Ba-dum, ba-dum, bum. I, I didn't lie. But, I said we're not going to. Pat, let's head down to the Regal Beagle. I can go first. <laughs> so yeah, and that's a spinoff. Oh, it's three. Wait, no, three's company wasn't a spinoff of anything. That was like an original show, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. The Ropers was a spinoff of Three's Company. Okay, but yeah, but Laverne and Shirley was a spinoff of Happy Days, wasn't it? Right, as was Mark and Mindy. Um, as was Joni loves Chachi. Bitch. Yep. Wouldn't Pat be uh who was the guy that, that always went to the Regal Beagle? He Tony was Jack Chachi. Larry. Would Pat be Larry in that show? Probably. I would think so, yeah. Yeah, I think so too. I'd be Chrissy. <laughs> <laughs> Mike is definitely Mr. Furley. <laughs> Fuck. Well, who yeah. are you, Josh? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I will totally Janet. take Mr. Furley. All right. No, he's so more of a Mr. Roper. On a November 10th, 1977. We'll make Suzanne be Jack Tripper. <laughs> okay. November 10th, yes. Uh, the Incredible Hulk made for TV movie is released. Was that the trial of The Incredible Hulk, Patrick? That was Mike's tr- piece of trivia. You have to ask him. Oh. No, that was not. Because then I would have said November what's the trial of the Incredible Hulk made for TV movies released. That was in trial of the Incredible Hulk wasn't released until like 88, I don't think. Okay. But I this was Lou Ferrigno. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Definitely was. And was it after uh, the series like was done? No, I think this was this one was a start. The trial of the Incredible Hulk was after the series was done. Correct. Okay, so was this? Mm. This is like the the, the pilot movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. So. I didn't know he was a pilot. Jesus Christ. Um. <laughs> so, uh, sport on November fifth, the NCAA passing record is set at five hundred and seventy-one yards by Mark Wilson of Brigham Young University. That's impressive. Is it? Yes. Very. Okay. I am impressed. 
I am. That's almost six football fields that he threw the ball (laughs) that that game. Do you not realize he just has to get over one? (laughs) Jesus. Not if your other team gets more. You have to keep going. So they just have to keep making more field? No. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, how does that work? Balls fly in and they just keep building more field. The field works like a treadmill. It just, you know, it's (laughs) That's genius. All right. Can I just go on record and say I love the rest of the sports trivia? Yeah, strap in, folks, for this one. Uh, born on November 5th, Tula Puputi <laughs> is a Finnish female ice hockey goaltender who played on the women's ice hockey team for Finland in the 1998 Winter Olympics and won a bronze medal. That's a great name. Tula Puputi. Tula Puputi. Tula Puputi. She's Finnish now, though. Uh, mm. that- Coming, gonna do. <laughs> she kind of looks like you'd expect a Finnish female goaltender to look, I guess. She looks like a teacher. reference image for that combination of words. <laughs> yeah. And we're on a list. And, uh, okay, for the uh, second one, third one, the New York Islanders' Goran Hogosta has his only career shutout as they built the Calgary Flames 9-0. to He sounds like a Street Fighter character. Goran Hogosta wins. Wins. <laughs> oh, uh, just going back just a little bit, if you put... Tula Paputi in the Google search engine, but don't hit enter. And look at the words that come up as like the, the words that are searched with Tula Paputi. This is amazing radio, folks, right here. <laughs> what are these words? You hear still a Oh my God. <laughs> that there, must be Finnish. Is all okay. Yeah, that's all, the thing. None of the pictures that are coming up are in English. It has three Ks, two A's with umlauts, <laughs> three I's. What two, is going on in Finland? Jesus. Is there a vowel exchange program in <laughs> some of Eastern Europe? Jesus, Finland, get your vowel shit together. They stole all the syllables from Japan. <laughs> Hang on, there's going to be a brief moment. Here, he's to make war for a shit. <laughs> I don't know why he turned into Teach Marin. <laughs> what happened? Did we lose Mike? Nope, I was killing a spider. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was rude. Um, so, yeah, that is uh, This Weekend... And there we go. On our tour. So, (laughs) hockey movies. Something I never thought we would do. I didn't really see this was... uh, Well, this was on our list fairly early on. I think this has been in our list of ideas for shows to do for uh, almost a year. Yeah, it ha- actually has been on there for a while. Um, uh, yeah. So the first one we watched was Slapshot, starring uh, Paul Newman, uh, made back in 1977. It is the story of the uh, a hockey team that is struggling along, the Chiefs, Charlestown Chiefs. And uh, they discover that if you get a little violent in the game, you get more fans. And I said this before we were talking on the pre-show. This is listed as a comedy. I'm not entirely certain that comedy meant the same thing in 1977 as it does today. <laughs> you didn't think it was funny? I'm there were I'm there were moments that were funny. I mean the uh, the Hanson brothers were funny. Uh, what's his name? This this skeevy guy that always had his tongue hanging out. He was kind of killer. Nonsense, buzzy. Yeah, Carl. Uh, oh yeah, that yeah, guy. Yeah. I got it. When I was back there, I found myself in a pool. Ah, you know, and that that guy was kind of like, <laughs> he's really kind of creepy. Um, we lived with him. But yeah, it's really interesting that this follows a lot of the same like sports comedy tropes, 
where you've got the down on their luck team, all the goofy character games, the, the unhappy wife of one of the players. Yeah. Who, the you know, who ends up cheating with one of the teammates, the, uh, race to the final game with the team getting better and better. But there's this dark undertone. And well, I'm talking even discounting all of the, it was another time kind of stuff. Like most of the characters in particular, Paul Newman's are genuinely unlikable. Nah, I'm, I I can't I can't a hundred percent agree with that. I mean, I kind of liked Paul Newman's character. Well, he, I until mean, he had he charisma, started. but he was definitely a a um scumbag. Yeah, yeah he wasn't yeah. a narcissist. That was a yeah, word. yeah, yeah. He lied to everybody. Uh, he pretty much just did whatever would benefit him at almost every turn. And the movie takes this twist where near the end, it looks like he's actually going to have a character redeeming moment. And then he realizes that there are NHL scouts in the audience and he goes right back to being a shithead. Yeah. And you've got this set on the backdrop of this dying Midwestern American town. Yeah, the and factory's like, shutting down. And it's the factory shutting down. All the guys are out traveling, playing hockey. And the wives sit in a car in a parking lot and discuss how... Uh, how much how they drunk drink. they all get? Yeah, how alcoholic they all are. I mean, the one wife is literally walking around town with a bottle and a paper bag. Um, the, jeez, I mean, Paul Newman's Reggie Reg Dunlop is sleeping with pretty much anybody whose wife is uh, upset at their husband. Yeah, the second anyone shows any weakness in their marriage, he's swooping in to try to sleep with them. You know what'll fix this marriage up? Me banging your wife. <laughs> My dick. <laughs> So, well, let's do a little a little uh, trivia on this one. So, Paul Newman has stated on many occasions that he had more fun making this film than any other film he has starred in, and it remains his favorite of his own films. Well, he's always been known as a as a hockey fan, anyway. Yeah. Well, he even got to play, got to skate. I mean, that's still. Yeah, it, I mean, that he did his own skating and everything. He's a hockey player. Yeah, but when you when you pair this up against like Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, you know, Paul, you got make great salad dressing, but. <laughs> so, uh, many of the players in the game scenes, as well as the Hanson brothers, played for the Jonestown's or Johnstown's Jets, a team in the now defunct minor pro North American Hockey League, and uh, the Charlestown Chiefs were based entirely on the Jets team. So, Hanson brothers, I mean, they were. I have to admit, I initially did not know that they were actual hockey players before I started <laughs> reading into this. That I was just amazed that they were that good at uh, skating out there. Um, I think that was the only thing I really knew about this is that the goofy guys with the glasses were actual hockey players, although two of them were playing the characters that their characters were based on. And the third brother couldn't uh, play himself uh, because his team was in the playoffs when the movie was being shot. Oh, yeah. That's the reason why you've got uh, Jeff Carlson playing Jeff Hansen, Steve Carlson playing Steve Hansen, and then David Hansen playing Jack Hansen. Okay. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, because Jack was actually uh, in so the So they're playoffs. not all on the same team in the in the league they play in. Yeah, I don't know. I, I could have. They can't be. That. One of them's in the playoffs, and the other, the other two aren't. Oh, right, but I uh, I think that some of them might have even made it to the majors hmm. to to the NHL. Huh. All right. So going on with that, the character of number seven, Clarence Screaming Buffalo Swamp Town, was played by Joe Nolan, who during a brief minor league career in the 1950s accumulated almost 1,000 penalty minutes in six seasons, including one playing with the Johnstown Jets. How many minutes do you normally get for a penalty? Two to four. Holy shit. (laughs) 
Yeah. That is amazingly. Yeah. That's a lot. That is a lot of penalty minutes. Um, but keeping, uh, keeping on with that, or I'll skip ahead on one of the trivia, but the character of Ogie Oglethorpe was based upon Bill Goldie Goldthorpe a WHA and NAHL player in the 70s. Goldthorpe racked up an amazing 1,132 penalty minutes in 194 games. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. That's nuts. Hang, talk amongst yourself about that. I mean, he has by far spent more time in the penalty box than on the ice. Well, And that's the thing is the enforcer role was a thing in the 70s and 80s hockey mm-hmm. where the best way to keep the other team in line from playing dirty is to have your own dirty player who will just absolutely wreck start playing rough. So how many how many minutes is a I, I you have to forgive me because I'm not totally not sports. Uh Hakeem is divided up into into quarters into Yeah, three twenty minute periods. Okay. So according to this, he spent almost six minutes a game sitting in the in the uh penalty box for hundred and ninety four games. That's a good chunk of time, isn't it? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I mean I know that in the movie we're gonna talk about in the second half uh, that we're talking that was unusual that an enforcer got 11 minutes of skate time. Mm. So this is like more than would, half that. Yeah, because they huh? usually would pretty much just get right on the ice and within within the first minute just get to it, <laughs> get to kicking somebody's ass. Well, I mean, right. yeah, and one in one of the scenes in the movie, I mean, they don't even get past the warm-up and yep. they're fighting. But one of the more interesting trivia I found on this is Al Pacino showed interest in the lead role. But fell out with director George Roy Hill after he asked him, "Can you skate?" And Pacino apparently considered the question facetious. Facetious. <laughs> Excuse me while I finish my rum. That's a that's a great Struther Martin impression right there. <laughs> so, well, Pacino was like, "Why would you ask that?" And then uh, later expressed regret that he had missed out on the film. So there is. And uh, looking at this, I have to correct my earlier statement. It looks like the memoirs that this was based on uh, weren't actually collected into an official book. Oh, Um, boo. Get out of here, you bum. You lied to us. Yeah, the screenplay is based on the memoirs of Ned Dowd, uh, who played in minor league hockey in the 70s. And uh, uh, the screenplay was written by his sister. Hmm. Oh. Are you writing all this down, sister? Yes, I am. So, uh, so let's get to it. What, what did you think of it? Let's, let's give your first, uh, is it, okay, I know Joel had seen it before, but let's talk about the three of us who had never seen this movie before. Josh, what's your first, uh, first take on this? I was intensely uncomfortable about some of it. Like even with the, uh, uh, it was another time, e- even given that like, okay, I'm cool with. This is the hockey players in the 1970s. To be period accurate, they are going to be a bit sexist and a little homophobic. But wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I found myself actively cringing, especially near the end when Paul Newman just like in a fit of rage. It's not even a funny joke. He just lashes out at her and uh, tells her that uh, her, her, her son looks like a fag. Yeah. 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 And I was just like, "Holy crap, dude!" Yeah, I was. I was like, "Well, that that's an interesting line for the hero of the movie, <laughs> quote unquote hero." Yeah, <laughs> even an anti-hero still. That's an interesting line. And yeah. I guess you could you could make a case, even though those elements make it hard to recommend to hey, uh, twenty fifteen movie viewers, you're going to enjoy this film. Uh, but it does like if you buy into what I'm saying, where. 
all of the negativity gives this uh, thing a dimension that a lot of other sports comedies don't have. There is this dark edge. I, that kind of stuff could contribute to that. Yeah, I I mean, I'm with you on this. There was initially I put it on and the kids were in the li- kids were in the living room. And after I want to say 15 minutes, yeah, pretty much halfway through the credits, really. I was like, you know, you know what? I can't wear. I can't watch this with the family around. That's true. I mean, but you know, that's the thing is, you never really know with uh, the seventies stuff. Sure. I mean, because like, for God's sakes, airplane is listed as PG. What the hell? <laughs> and there's there's lots of boobs and racism. Yeah, definitely. But there's there's not a whole lot of uh, homophobia. Well, and that's the thing is it's not even like funny jokes that are off color and would not be considered a politically correct or appropriate today. It's just like vitriol. Yeah. Mean shit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there I mean, there is a I know there's a point of people like especially, you know, people who are on the same team or something talking shit with each other. But there is I mean, this one it very angry. I don't know. I I was here's here's my whole not really take on it, but my okay. I have a lot of friends that have told me that this is one of their favorite sports movies. It's really funny. They quote it. I've got a friend who, uh, for Christmas one year, I gave him uh, a set because he's got a whole bunch of movie figurines, and I gave him a set of the Hanson brothers. You know, you know that was and just things like that. So I, I've got a lot. This movie comes with a lot of recommendation from a lot of my friends, and I was expecting it to be much funnier than it was. It was. It definitely had funny moments, but it was more of a downer movie than anything. I mean, there was a lot of really just kind of serious stuff in this movie that was just brushed aside. And the next thing you know, we're, we're in the middle of another hockey game and something funny is happening. And, you know, in the meantime, everybody's lives are falling apart, but they're just like, hey, let's just keep going with the movie. And I was like, it, it was like it didn't know what it wanted to be. It, like, it didn't know if it wanted to be a documentary and, and like, show what the life of a minor league hockey player was like or if it wanted to be a farce or if it wanted to be a a, a sports movie it just kind of wouldn't figure out what it really wanted to be I it can... sounds like you didn't like about it what i did that that juxtaposition of like this is stock comedy sports movie but everybody's lives are shit and they're not going to brady bunch it where by the end of it everyone's lives are awesome yeah and i didn't i didn't want it to like i wasn't necessarily looking for a happy ending type thing but it just there was a lot more realism than what I was. Ex- I was expecting more of like a surreal Anchorman type of movie than sure a, a little than bit a, more almost su- like a like a, like a comedic take on the Deer Hunter. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, and it did have like a happy ending, but it was almost like a three penny opera Berthold Breck happy ending, where it's like yeah. Hey, if inexplicably they win the championship and the guys that hate each other are in a parade together and everyone's celebrating and like the last moment true to his character he insists his wife is coming to minnesota with them and there's no indication of whether he believes that's true or it's just more bullshit and, and like, I why, that was why awesome did, why did she cut in front of the championship parade and everybody was like who what are the odds that like this woman who was leaving town at this exact moment would cut in front of the parade where I mean it just I don't know I, that was way too contrived for me that she just suddenly happened to be in front of the championship parade. I mean you could make a case for it's a small enough town that the only route out of town is also the only road big enough to host a parade. I have been in towns like that. 
Yes, but those towns don't have hockey teams. You you have to at least be like a fifty thousand. Well, this is minor person. league. This isn't NHL. No, but I'm talking still for minor league. You, I mean, you have to have some kind of population. It can't be a one main street town of only four hundred fifty people and have. I mean, because like, okay, here's a perfect example: Hannibal, Missouri, where my family is from. It's uh, forty eight thousand people, I think, at last count, something like that. It doesn't have only one way to get into the town. I guess. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It was, I, it, was too, it was too shoehorned in there. I mean, at least in the movie Major League, you know, he had to get into the ball, bullpen cart and drive to her house to have the final confrontation and the final whatever. But, I mean, she just magically appears in front of the, you know, cutting into traffic, cutting through people that are standing there trying to watch the parade into the path of the of, of the championship parade, and not a single person watching this, not a single person in the in the parade itself has a problem with that. Maybe she's just a bitch. Like, I'm leaving town, I'm going to rub in his face that I'm taking off on him. Cause he yeah, has... but that wasn't her character, really. No, she didn't care what he thought about anything. Yeah, well, there was she a, was done with him. I think was he was just kind of, of forced oh, in there that you needed to have. I mean, forced closure on that. Okay, yeah, I could see that possibly. Yeah, like like they're trying to figure out how to make this closure on. I think it's just a matter of they didn't have budget in in their budget for room in their budget for another scene. So they're like, fuck it, we'll just use the set for two things. Well, and the scene isn't all that interesting without that. Because it it is just the stock, like, everybody's happy parade. And the fact that he has his one last conversation with her and uses that for the, I thought, pretty interesting final line of the movie, where there's multiple ways to interpret it. it Showing totally, that he's still living in delusion, for one. Right. Or he believes, it's like, yeah, she's coming to Minnesota, and I'm going to lie my way and manipulate my way into making sure that happens, because it's worked so far. Yeah, just that, like I did for this team. Just like, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like all of his shitty behavior is totally like reinforced by results. True. Like he tries to be good for half a hockey game and they all get their teeth kicked in. I appreciate yeah, it. It, it turns out that like uh, uh, his, his shitty little motivational speech back when they were losing, talking about how we're the better team, we're, you know, man for man, we're a better team. Turns out, no, you're, n- you're not. <laughs> you need to beat these people's asses because you can't win otherwise. Well, basically, well, and partially the fact that the other team brought in a hit squad. Right. <laughs> yeah. That, 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 how does that happen? That's. <laughs> That I mean, is the part not, that, I that's had. That's not legal in any professional sport to suddenly yeah. change your entire lineup. Your entire yeah. roster's changed, and it's all people that have been banned for life. <laughs> what the hell? Right. Uh, I, that was the one bit I had a little bit of a problem with. It's like all of these guys are supposed to be suspended from the game. Maybe they're suspended the from the game. The one guy's different... supposed to be in jail. Yeah, and they're the, the entire roster. Yeah, there's only five of them, and their only purpose is to go out and fight them. Well, yeah. And Dr. Hook was on another team, like, yeah. earlier in the same movie. That was a moment where I had to, I had to, I had to pause it. <laughs> it took, when he when he came out as the, at the very beginning, I'm like, oh, Dr. Hook, they're playing. He's not on this team. <laughs> this is a different, I mean, like, I'm not entirely paying attention to some things, but I'm pretty sure that this is, I mean, how does a trade go through in that quick? You know, and now we're going to get these dudes that just came out of the local prison. And giant- yeah, I, don't, I don't think this this game would have withheld the scrutiny of the league looking at it later. <laughs> no. Now, all that said, it was uh, from the moment they introduced the Hansons, uh, every moment that they were on screen was at least amusing. And when they hit the ice, it was laugh out loud funny. Yeah, they, oh, are, they definitely are the stars of this movie. 
Oh, definitely. I mean, oh, seriously, when <laughs> that scene when he goes by the bench and just smacks all of them in the head with his stick. <laughs> oh yeah, or when he when he when he goes by the goal and just flips the goaltender. Yeah, <laughs> just like, like these know. guys are psychopaths. <laughs> yeah, like I think the the refs are uh, in, just blind. <laughs> like, they're taping up. Like, what are you doing? Or oh, put a foil on? You want some? <laughs> now, what is that? I mean, that's, foil. that's yeah. It's it's uh, probably has something to do with like extra punching power or so. I don't know. I don't know what the purpose I mean, of that would like, be. And I, apparently, I mean, neither did any of the guys on the team because they're all like, "What is going on over there with those guys?" Yeah, because they're they're putting foil on their knuckles, and I'm like, "Well, that's aluminum foil." I mean, are you just making sure that your knuckles stay fresh? <laughs> I, I think it was just with one, another one of their idiosyncrasies. I mean, these. Guys, and apparently when they were in the league, they were known for when all the other guys were boozing, they were in their hotel room playing with trucks. Like, that was, that <laughs> that was, was them. That was actually hilarious. Their luggage is full of toys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, and yeah, they, they, they were great characters because, I mean, they didn't, they didn't curse. They didn't drink. They didn't do anything of the rebel rousing. They didn't, you know, stick, stick women out or anything. All they did was just beat ass on the on the on the uh, the court, and, <laughs> and when they, they were so nice. Like whenever they were being talked to, like they'd scream and like yell, like get involved with the team. But for as violent as they were, they weren't like punks. Yeah, no, and they were. And, yeah, they were completely polite and completely supportive and everything. And as soon as he tells them, it's like no fighting. We're gonna play, you know, play good hockey. They're all like, okay, all right, yeah, we'll do that, sure, whatever. Yeah, and they yeah. that's it. That was the thing. It's like for as violent as they were, when you told them not to do something, okay, coach, we won't do that. <laughs> you know, I I personally, I thought the French dude was hilarious. I am allergic to these. Uh, oh, to yeah. these fans. I'm vomiting and throwing up, and there's this. Also, how hard is it to find out who owns a hockey team? Isn't that, I mean, I granted, isn't that public knowledge? It I guess be. it wouldn't have to be. Yeah. Well, I'm I mean, seven. especially for minor league. That's the thing. Oh, that's be. true. And they did say, you know, a corporation owns it, and it could very well be a corporation that is listed as the official owners, and he had to find out who was the owner of that corporation. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Because, like, Wirtz owns uh, the Hawks. Yeah. Okay. How about Ned Braden, Michael Ankeen's character? Now he was the um yeah what a strange relationship he and his wife had like the whole thing was just i mean he's only playing hockey as you know to rebel against his father they're both worth money they're both come from families with money she doesn't want to be in the shithole town he's so college she, educated so is she yeah but, and they they could both make money doing anything but they don't need to make money because they both come from wealthy families so and aren't has absolutely no concern with the fact that his wife is walking around at eight in the morning with a bottle of whiskey in her hand and she never changes out of her nightgown right yeah, he doesn't even notice her until the final scene basically that was weird. I mean, that yeah. was a strange thing about the entire situation with him and his wife. It's like it's not until – I mean, it's not like he loved her, he fell out of love with her, and then re- rediscovers her. Yeah, there was there was no relationship arc in their in the story for them at all. Yeah, I mean, their, their entire relationship is, I'm going to go play hockey. Fuck you. I hate this place. <laughs> well, then leave me. Divorce me. No, I'm just going to drink, and I'm going to hang out with your coach. We're not going to sleep together, but we're going to come very close. I found out that in some of the excerpts, he accidentally had sex with the dog. <laughs> Whoopsie. So, but yeah, and I mean, I wanted, I was expecting for all the talk that I heard about this movie, like, oh, hot, you know, Slapshot, it's this hilarious, you know, hockey movie, 
you know, it's all, you know, I'm, I was expecting a lot of, like, goofy antics on the ice, which you got that maybe once, maybe twice. I was expecting Animal House on Ice, basically. Pretty much, yeah. No, I agree with you on that. That's what I was looking for. I was looking for Animal House on Ice. I was looking for... A little bit of Major League, a little bit of Animal House, you know, that kind yeah, of Yeah, what I got was, like, a reflection on the on how shitty life on the road is. Yeah. And the th- thing is, is I kind of think that I got both what you were looking for and the darker... I'm not going to say I unqualified enjoyed this movie. Uh, there's there's a hell of a lot of qualifications. But I, I think that the darker and more depressing parts of it actually made it more interesting. And maybe that's just because I've already seen the Major League formula comedy so many times that the fact that this did have some discordant notes actually made it kind of more interesting to me. And I, I definitely, I think I might have appreciated it more if I not expected this movie to just, because I thought I was walking into, like, you know, a good old romping comedy kind of thing. Animal House. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, I was expecting, uh, you know, the Benny Hill music to kick in at one point or another. And I'm I was not just expecting to hear uh, one of my favorite disco songs four different times during the movie, though. True. They probably had to pay for the licensing and they're like, exactly. we're going to use this. Well, they, actually, they the there's... Same song. there were three different songs they used a minimum of twice each. It was, I would. I was like, well, they did save a lot of money on the soundtrack. There was actually um, a thing about the music in the trivia is that that actually changed twice with, um, you know, like, when they showed it on TV, they had a different soundtrack, and then they showed it again on TV and had a completely different soundtrack from the original one. And then the DVD that had the uh, the 25th anniversary of it. That's the one I watched. Yeah, that had the original, original soundtrack in it. Which had four different versions of Maxine Nightingale's right back where we started from in it. Yeah, they definitely like Captain every time, every time the bus took off anywhere, it's... Dun, 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 dun. I'm like, Jesus, this again? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love the song, but I'm like, come on. Now, somewhere, I'm, somewhere Cameron Crowe is turning over in his grave. <laughs> Did anybody else, when uh, Paul Newman went to uh, God, uh, Ned? No, that was the joke. That's the joke. <laughs> uh, Ned Braden's house, and you saw Ned walk off into the forest, yeah. and and Paul, you know, Reggie Paul Newman is talking to the forest. So, and that had a the whole movie time, vibe to it, like that cut of him walking how, in the forest. How many of you were waiting for the gunshot? <laughs> I mean, would have been consistent with the tone of part of the movie. Exactly. I mean, I, the whole time I'm like, Ned's we gonna kill him. Deer himself. hunter motif, that's for sure. Yeah, it's like the, it's like, hey, you got the deer hunter onion field thing going on here. Um, <laughs> Did he bow? Yeah. It's, but I was really expecting Ned to kill himself at that point. I mean, at that, I mean, I was, I was honestly surprised at the fact that he didn't. There was not a gunshot at that moment. <laughs> I was honestly surprised that that Paul Newman ended that whole inspirational speech with, "Oh, by the way, I'm banging your wife." <laughs> <laughs> okay, speaking of banging wives, that's inspirational. <laughs> Only the Paul Newman. That whole scene where he's in bed with. What's her, what's his face's wife? Yeah, the opposing goalie's wife that left him because she decided to experiment with women. Yes, and apparently, because obviously, that made him gay. Yeah, what? Which I it. I'm just tossing that into someone the someone else's sexuality can affect you. I'm tossing that in the '70s box. Sure, I'm tossing that in the dumbass person box. One question: Tell, do you want me to tell you about it? No, I'm okay. Well, I got to talk about it in court anyway. Yeah, what? what's that? Probably what? divorce court. I'm. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm going to hope it's that because my initial my initial <laughs> well, thought I is one of my lesbian lovers. So it's it, gonna yeah, come up. 
<laughs> I sautéed her. Um, but yeah, just, I mean, there is definitely a strange, I'm kind of glad I wasn't single in the 70s feel to this whole movie. <laughs> you know, it's just creepy. And the one dude with the tongue all the time. Have also, you, in the pro column. Yeah. No have you been down to this, this bar? I went there once and this girl had nipples like erasers. <laughs> you know, it's, and everybody in the team was like, yeah, okay, thanks, man. Thanks, well, Carl. They all knew he was full of shit. Yeah. And that they had something to erase. Bring those titties over here. They knew who to call when they were doing their taxes. I gotta make some corrections on these figures. I don't know what you're talking about right now. (laughs) (laughs) I tried to support you, Joel. (laughs) Animal house. (laughs) Oh, nice. So, Joel, this is... (laughs) the Yeah, and what was the whole ballet on ice thing in the middle of it? Are you oh, the bell? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, they were. Uh, I think that they were just at the place they worked when you had like a Rockets on Ice show in town and they wanted to see it because, you know, girls ice and they wanted to hit on the girls <laughs> afterwards. There's girls and there's ice. Why are we not there? Right. These are the things that are relevant to our interest that aren't booze. So. Seems like a natural fit. Okay. Joel, you had seen both of these movies before. Mm-hmm. How many viewings of uh, Slapshot was this for you? This was number two. Okay. Tell me. The uh, the first time I saw it, I kind of had the same impression you guys did. I uh, I was like, oh, man, that's going to be this great comedy. It's going to be Animal House on Ice. It's going to be fantastic. And then I watched it, and I was like, what the hell did I just watch? What was that? You know, it was like. This was totally 70s and not at all what I was expecting. It's like uh, when you watch Meatballs and you're like, ooh, sex comedy. And it's not. Um, but in watching it a second time with different eyes, probably five, ten years later, um, I got it more. I appreciated it more. And I really enjoyed it a lot. And I see kind of why it's held up as a classic. And it, I, I thought it was uh, better the second time, honestly. Hmm. I don't know if I want to watch it again. Well, give it about 10 years and try it. Okay. Well, that's cool. Yeah. I'll do it like tomorrow. It sounds like you and I are sort of on the same page on this one, Joel. I mean, I don't know that I'm as enthusiastic about my enjoyment, but I certainly appreciate the darker elements. Yeah. Did anybody else notice that uh, Deep Throat was shown on the theater at the last scene? (laughs) I didn't notice it, but it's totally in line with everything else. True. Deep Throat and something called Meatball, which I'm not. That's Jay's favorite movie. Yeah, so, uh... Meatball on ice. Meatball's a musical? Mm-hmm. On ice. <laughs> it just doesn't matter. Um, I don't know. We got anything else on this? No, I think that a lot of our further thoughts on this movie are going to be how it compares and contrasts to, to Goon, which, as I said uh, before we started talking, I honestly think that Goon was made with this film in mind. I think there are specific scenes that were responses to elements in Slapshot. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that this movie wouldn't have worked nearly as well if they hadn't included the Hanson brothers. I mean, I think that was kind of its saving grace and a way of kind of making it the comedy that they intended. Otherwise, it would have been kind of more like Miracle, you know? Well, they were they were really pretty much the only characters that were not two-dimensional. Sure. Well, yeah, everyone else had their character game where they, they got their one shtick that they do, and they'll appear in a scene and then do that. Mm-hmm. I've got a Fu Manchu mustache. It was like the Mighty Ducks for adults. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Oh, nice. <laughs> so, like, the Mighty Foie Gras. 
but the Mighty Ducks were on ice, too. True. So it's on ice, on ice. Double ice? No, you have to take the drug called ice. I think we should go to break. I think we're going to break. (laughs) (laughs) I already went to break. All right. And we're breaking. And see. Welcome back. We are now uh, up for round two of the Hockey Movie Show, and we are talking about Goon, starring Sean William Scott from 2011. So, uh, this is labeled as an outcast by his brainy family. A bouncer overcomes long odds to lead a team of underperforming misfits to semi-pro hockey glory while beating the crap out of everything that stands in his way. Uh, this is... I can't say that's inaccurate, but I... I... <laughs> It's it's not it's it's a good fo- it I mean, it's a good commentary comment of it but it's not the entire thing yeah definitely I mean there's more and there's like like bullet well, you points could, you, under you everything could start I said nitpicking with the labeled an outcast by his brainy family line first of all because they didn't he more felt an outcast than they <coughs> labeled him one until he oh I can just hockey. completely disagree with that they completely I mean when they were leaving. The temple? Yeah. In the beginning, they pretty much ignored him. We're all yeah, talking. kind of made apologies for him and attempted to uh, foist off eligible single Jewish girls onto their son until they figured out what was going on with him. Yeah. Uh, this was written by Jay Baruchel, who had uh, adapted a book known as uh, called Goon, The True Story of an Unlikely Journey into a Minor League Hockey, uh, written by Adam Frasato and Doug Smith. Uh <laughs> What? <laughs> what, did, what the hell was that? I think Joel just got challenged to a kung fu fight. <laughs> no, we're Jay Beerishell. Hiccup. How to train oh, your God. Dude, you stretch oh. it. Oh, my God. Oh, nice. <laughs> that was way too much effort. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Dude. He's not in the movie. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, moving on. So he adapted it from a book. So this is a movie where Stifler and... Uh, Oh, what's Lee Schreiber's character from X Men? Sabretooth. Sabretooth play. No, yeah. no, Beast was Kelsey Grammer. That's right. Yeah. Uh, good try, though. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. I, oh, I, I wanted to impress everybody and get it right, but I didn't. So <laughs> I'm still impressed that you tried. <laughs> Here's a ball. Perhaps you'd like to try bouncing it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, got away from you. Here you go. So, uh, Sean William Scott gained weight for the role of Doug Blatt, as well as taking intensive skating lessons and learning to how to fight on ice. Uh, also, things are very handy to have in hockey. Yeah, also the college scene course. where uh, <laughs> Ross sheds crocodile tears during a press conference was in reference to NHL players Todd Bertuzzi, Bertuzzi mm-hmm. uh, who played for the Vancouver Canucks at the time, who punched Col- the Colorado Avalanche's Steve Moore in the back of the head during a game, causing an injury that would end Moore's career. Uh, in a press conference afterwards, the emotional Bertuzzi tearfully apologized for the incident, which cost him $500,000 in salary deduction and a 17-month suspension. Good God. Yep. That's almost as bad as the punch that uh, the ref got at the end of uh, Slapshot. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Also, in some scenes, there is a Highlanders player named Hansen, and his number is 17, which is a reference to the Hansen brothers from Slapshot. As opposed to the Hansen brothers from Mbop. Yes. Stop that! Sorry. Don't. Look what you've done, Josh. I, I, I feel bad now. You should. It's so hard to put them back in the box after the release. 
this is interesting from Sean William Scott because while he's still not playing a super genius, he's not playing Stifler for the first time in any of the films I've seen him in. Yeah, I tried. I mean, I told Suzanne about this movie. We watched it together. I was like, okay, hey, it's got Sean William Scott. Uh, what do I know him? Well, he was in uh, American Pie. Well, what else? Well, six other movies where he played the same character. <laughs> Role models. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't nail down any other uh, character that he had played that wasn't just another template of Stifler, except for this guy, Doug Glatt. Um, Sean William Scott did a great job of playing him. I really... I really liked his character through the entire movie. He seemed like a genuinely nice person. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't smart. He was just like, this is what I do. You know, I've got a chance to do this. Very loyal. Yeah. Loyal and, I mean, a guy who will have your back. And it's interesting, like, the way they played his uh, mental problems, like his extreme low intelligence, being so bad he could hardly communicate like a person. Like, he had this social awkwardness that was almost overwhelming. I don't know. I mean, it, think of all of the scenes with Allison Pill. That's true. Like, your, your sweater's pretty. Like your face. You've got a pretty sweater and a pretty face. <laughs> Here's the thing. It's, I mean, it's like Hayden Christensen. Well, and the, Sean William Scott proves that, he, yeah, he, he's not just a one-trick pony. But what he does is he creates a character that is incredibly naive, but at his core is legitimately a nice, sweet, caring person. Who does what he does? It's so violent because he just happens to be good at fighting. Yeah, it's his job, and he looks at it no other way really than that he's protecting his team and he's doing his job and he's good at it. And so this is going to be his his life. But it doesn't make him a bad person, or it doesn't make him a violent person in real life, or anything else. He's just he's a really complex character, and that's I think kind of what I like about him is that he's that he's like the only legitimately like good character in the movie, like. Good-hearted in a lot of ways. His intentions are true. I would agree with that. Yeah. Well, and I think it's easy to uh, look at La Flamme and say, this guy's just a tool. And that was my initial reaction to him. And Xavier La Flamme is not, he's not an easy kid to like. But I kind of understood his character by the end, where it's like, you've got this guy that comes into major leagues. He was an NHL player, and he he was a rookie hockey god. And uh, he gets taken out by this thug, and he gets so scared of getting hit i he he didn't it didn't even occur to him that someone could do that in the game and it ruins his career bumps him down to the minors and then someone who's just like the guy who ruined his career joins the team which he thinks he's too good for even though they suck Mm -hmm. and immediately enjoys a whole lot of success i mean of course he's going to be a douchebag to this guy he's seeing the guy who wrecked his career uh, in Glatt, and he's seeing him enjoy success. It's like, well, this this guy's not a hockey player. He's a fighter. Yeah, and he's. I think he also sees him as, now he's kind of, like, tamed. Like, this is the same kind of guy that messed me up before. Like, how how uh, Ross Ray, Ross Ray, Ross Ray? I forgot how to say Ross Ray, yeah. How, how he messed him up and that, and that smack against the boards. He sees Glatt as the same type of character, but now he's kind of like on a leash. Like he's my protector type of thing where he, well, I think he resents the shit out of that. Well, the, their, their, their relationship changes so much to the whole thing. He starts out being that, that guy on a leash and then he eventually starts to resent him because he becomes bigger than he is. Mm-hmm. And he starts taking away things that he earned or that he was given. And in that, it creates a character arc for himself. Yeah. Ultimately. And 
I kind of see a parallel between Doug Glatt and the Hanson brothers. Oh, sure. And I think that's intentional. Yeah. Uh, if, I think from the moment uh, Doug Glatt gets into a fight because someone was throwing around homophobic slurs and he has a gay brother, this movie is a response in some ways to a slap shot. I don't think that was intentional. I, sorry, think- I don't think that was coincidental. Yeah, it wasn't. <laughs> That is true. I just, you know, just realized, because I watched these in the opposite order. I watched the, I watched uh, Goon first. Mm. Ah, To me, whereas we had kind of the cookie cutter stereotypical characters in Slapshot, I think Goon had a lot more well-rounded characters with motivations. Maybe they weren't always clear. Maybe they weren't really that deep. Except for the Russians and um, and the the goalie who his only personality uh definition was he loved his dead mother yeah i kind of think that aside from the lead guys i, I kind of disagree with you there joel I, I think that most of everyone else had their character game you've got the asian guy who's studying to be a doctor and that's it i mean it de- it definitely had more well-rounded characters but it, it had a lot of flat characters yeah well, there were also, I think in the 70s version, I mean, where you've got the uh, slap shot, it seems like they've got the whole team and they wanted to have everybody in the team being some sort of archetype. Whereas in this one, the, you know, there was a team and it's a little bit more uh, acceptable to just focus on two or three characters out of the entire team and let everybody else be the hockey players. When you look on the Russians and you look at the, you know, look at the Russians, look at the goalie. Okay, we can kind of focus on them, but the main focus of the entire movie itself is on Doug Glatt. Yes, it is definitely more of a character study than just a hockey movie. And there, and like Joel said, there's definitely more well-rounded characters in, in Goon than Slapshot, for sure. Yeah, sure. You get to his brother and... Uh, probably not his friend. His friend is still kind of a character gamey sort of character. He's got his shtick, but we don't really learn a whole lot more about him. He's loyal and kind of a spaz. Jay Yeah, yeah. Basically, he wrote himself. Yeah. He didn't want to have to memorize any lines, so he's like, "I'm just gonna be me." Real quick, did you guys notice? And I, you probably did. And if you didn't, then rewatch it. But. I, and I remember this in the first time I saw it, that at the very beginning of the film, when they're doing the show and the interviews, and it's the early early part where you first introduced to Jay Baruchel's character, the three guys in the booth are Bubbles, Julian, and Ricky. Oh, not, I didn't catch that. They're not in character, but it's it's the same actors. Ricky's running the board, and then Julian and Bubbles are up in the booth. I don't know what that means. Uh, trailer Park Boys. Yep. Oh, I have not seen Trailer Park Boys. Yeah, That's they're, interesting. They're in it. Yeah, because I mean, it's you know, it's a Jay Baruchel's Canadian, and I think the whole thing is set around a you know Canadian premise, and um, so it just was natural to have them there. Um, I think one of the things that I really dug into in this movie that I really liked was the progression of team. Because, you know, it starts out that the one guy, La Flame, tells him that, you know, he laughs at him like, this isn't a team, ha, 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 you know, like you're you're a naive sucker. But by the end of the movie, one of the last things you see is when La Flame goes around the, the logo and doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't step on the logo on the floor. Yeah, yeah. And they build the team up just like the, not unlike in Slapshot, with the way that the Hanson brothers did. And but, what I thought was kind of cool about that is even though they did that, the team itself was unimportant except for what it meant to the characters. It, it goes back to them again because the we get to the ending. And the last game isn't the championship game. In fact, we don't even see the last minute of the last game. Okay. 
one issue I have with that whole scenario, he's he uses his face to block the puck. Okay. He gets a bunch of sticks in the face. He gets the ankle getting jacked by the uh um by the skate. Now am I thinking of the wrong scene? No. I, well, that's that's not the that's like okay. the last third to the last game. Okay. No, I, I'm I'm thinking I'm thinking of the wrong scene. At the very end, when uh, Sabretooth beat the shit out of Stifler, his <laughs> ankle is broken, bleeding from every or every like pore and hole on his face and he's sitting in the back with his girlfriend sitting next to him why is that guy not on a stretcher no shit i'm like it's awesome that he's listening to the game finish out and all that but there should at least be an emt somewhere around him doing something yeah i mean someone should be making sure he's not going into shock at this moment they've seen him take so much punishment they probably assume that he's okay i mean the reason he's not on a stretcher is because he made a big point of getting off the ice, maybe not under his own power, but without having to be carried off. Right. He that he did make a comment about I, the comment or the statement or the implication was that he is not leaving this ice uh, ver, uh, horizontal. Yeah. You know, and there are some seriously hard shots in that in this oh, movie. It was brutal, especially considering that uh, uh, Ray did not want uh, he, he didn't uh, want to just win the fight. He wanted them to actually take it all the way he wanted the kid to really give it all he had and whoever came away from it uh that was going to be the resolution that he wanted even if he lost the fight and he did he, he took the last shot which put him down mm-hmm. they kind of knocked each other out right yeah and there was that weird little smile Just like that mama said <laughs> jesus that weird little what <laughs> that that smile that he had when he saw his tooth hit the ice well I think there was two things happening there. I think number one, he felt like he was passing the torch because he was, it was his last game, basically. I mean, he was stepping down to retire and was kind of wanting to get out of the game. Plus, he finally met somebody that was able to give as good as he gave. And, uh, you know, he respected that. Yeah. And he couldn't give that to him. Uh, he had to make uh, Glatt take it. Uh, he, he couldn't throw the fight and like let the kid win. He had to do his best to just put him on his ass. Mm-hmm. But that said, he wasn't going to just knock him down once and declare victory and l- rest on his laurels. The two of them were going to go at it until one of them, as it turns out, both of them couldn't anymore. Yeah. And that's one of the things I liked about him and the other enforcers in the game. It's like in that one game where he looks at the looks across the ice and he's like, "You want to go? Okay." Yeah. And then they they stop. Oh, good fight. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice guy. <laughs> yeah, that guy's really awesome, man. It's, you know. <laughs> and that and that I think is like this uh this code that the enforcers, you know, like, look, we're go- we're going to have to fight each other one at one point or another in this. Let's get it done. Let's get out of the way and see where we stand and get this um trying to think of the best word for it this uh we gotta do it type of thing this tradition out of the way we're gonna fight let's get it done just get on with it see where we see where we uh stand on the rank to each other and they both you know they go at it okay cool yeah we can hold each other we can hold our own against each other awesome let's let's finish playing the game yeah i thought it was cool that we got to see a, a little bit from the career of the guy who uh doug glatt was based on Right at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Talking about the hammer. Uh, What was his name? I just had it here. Uh, uh, Doug the Hammer Smith. And his quote, it's like, well, if they're behaving, I don't have to go out there. Um, I'm beat to hell. But if uh, if they get out of line, I got to go fight. If they don't, I I have to look after my own health. Right. One of the more disturbing things about watching this movie was watching it with Suzanne. (laughs) Um, She got really into the fight scenes. More, I mean, like, 
I, I'm not, I'm not, she's like cheering it on and I'm, I'm never taking her to a hockey game. I don't know what's going to happen. Oh, it's so fun. You really should. But if you do go to a hockey game, don't bother going unless you can get in one of the first two rows. The first row is usually twice as expensive, but it's worth it because you get to slap on the glass. Mm-hmm. But it, they're a lot of fun. Is that a euphemism for something? No, no, no. I mean, you really do. I mean, you, you pound on the glass, you know, while, while they're flying by you and stuff, or if they're st- like getting checked right in front of you, you just you know get up on the glass and scream at them. It's fun. Cool. Yeah, I've been to a few games when I was a kid. Like, I'm not a sports guy either. Most of my hockey experience was going to game Blackhawks games when I was young, and then like NHL '93 in the dorms. <laughs> but uh, I, I found this really interesting because the game, while this is a hockey movie, the fact that they chose to have the ending not be about the championship, not even be about the last minute of the game that gets them into the championship that's not what's important it's important like the journey the characters take and that i kind of appreciated with the whole the whole thing they didn't stretch out another 10 minutes just so we can see the big victory at the end so we could see you know we could see sean william scott skate around the ice in his underwear holding up the trophy which in Slapshot really confused me um but I did like the, you know, like you said, Joel, I think it definitely was that fight between Ross and Doug was definitely a passing of the torch. Look, was the I was the big badass in the last, you know, I'm coming up to the end of my my lifespan in hockey. You better prove that you could take up the torch for me. So therefore, we're going to try and beat the shit out of each other. Yeah, because in his mind, if he won, then he walks out victorious and he's kind of undefeated. But if he loses, then he lost to somebody that he felt was a worthy opponent and therefore it would be the passing of the torch and it would make him still be legendary just in a different way. Right. Well, and then we're going to get to see how uh, these characters respond to everything that happened because the sequel is in post-production right now. I was just going to bring that up. Goon, the last of the Enforcers, is uh, in right now 2016 post-production. Uh, absolutely, really? yeah. Mm-hmm. Jay Baruchel uh, directed and wrote it again. Um, I need to look this up. Sorry. Yeah, yeah Jay Baruchel is returning as Pat. Uh, Liv Schreiber is returning as Ross Ray. Uh, Kim Coates is coming back as the coach. Of course, Sean William Scott's coming back, and Allison Pill's coming back, uh, and uh, Laflamme will be back as well. And Sean William Scott. And yeah. I really have to say, I thought Kim Coates was awesome in this movie. Oh, he's awesome in everything. I Every time I see him, I'm like, who is that guy? Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, he was in Black Hawk Down and all these other things where, like, every time he's on the screen, I think he's just a great character actor. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, if you're fans of Son of Anarchy or um, he was in Silent Hill, Resident Evil, I mean, he's done Prison Break, CSI Miami. Yeah, he was yeah. in a lot. I mean, just looking at his uh, lineup here, uh, even as far as the Dresden files, you know he's it's one of those guys you look at and you're like, oh yeah, where do I know him from? That guy, the that guy's awesome. Well, that's cool. I didn't realize this guy. This is uh, you. You just told me something I didn't know, and I'm hoping since they've got everybody really attached to it that was in the original that they don't go the route that the lovely uh, Slapshot did. What the hell? Seriously. Now, I know there were sequels to Slapshot, but I don't know anything about them. Okay. okay. Slapshot 2, Breaking the Ice, starred Stephen Baldwin and okay. Gary Busey and the Hanson Brothers. The, the, the basic thread through the entire films is the Hanson Brothers. Um, the as, basic, it should, as it should be. <laughs> the basic premise is it says, when the original Hanson Brothers, still on the same minor league ice hockey team, the Chiefs, are sold to a new owner who gives them a female coach and puts them in a league where they see full summary. Uh, 
where they see where full they summary. are to be regularly humiliated <laughs> yeah. by What's an a opposing. twist. There's a, a it's like a Harlem Globetrotter story. Like the other team they can't ever beat because it's the, the it's a show. Okay, uh, Slapshot so, 3, the Junior League. Again. The Hanson brothers are back, and who better to whip up a ragtag youth team into shape for the upcoming championships than the most unpredictable trio ever to strap on skates? Starring Riley Haskell, Jeff Hansen, Steve Hansen, Jack Hansen as Dave Hansen, Bernie Frazier as The Pot. And Leslie Nielsen as the mayor of Charlestown. Isn't which he, I thought Leslie Nielsen name. was dead. When did this come out? Oh, 2008. Uh, okay. Yeah, it's it's not new. Yeah, I but, mean, it's Scott Patey as Precious, Samuel Patrick Chu as Tweaker, Adrian Hu as Mr. Baker. But they opted to go PG. All the other movies are, are for Slapshot. Is it? Yep. Well, I guess they're trying to make Mighty Ducks again. Well, and it looks like a remake is in the works for uh, the original Slapshot, but uh, it's it's such early pre-production, it might just be an option. I'm looking at the cover of Slapshot 3, and it looks like Garth from Wayne's World in three different kinds of wigs for the, <laughs> for the Hanson Brothers. That's terrible. Featuring the hilarious Hanson Brothers. God. Who wow. greenlights this shit? Hollywood. I mean, it's, well, is it better this, or is it better remakes? I mean, some people will argue that remakes are terrible. I don't. But, you know, it, it, there's a lot of money to be made in sequels because you've already got an established fan base and established characters. And all you got to do is get a decent script, put it out on direct video and you make money. I mean, yeah. for, many, for many, many, many years, it was the standard. It was kind of like the understood rule of Hollywood. Like this, there's, if a movie is successful, there's going to be a lesser sequel that makes more money. Except Aliens. Yeah. And, and there, there are a few exceptions, but very few sequels are actually better than the original. Wow. Oh, my God. I, I just looked at some of the close-ups for what the Hansons look like as of Slapshot 3, and it's not good. It's no. like the Ramones circa like late 90s, early 2000s. They're all like balding and ugh. Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> it's not good. So, uh, got anything else for uh, the goon? Uh, I don't know. I mean, oh, oh, let's talk about the love story a little bit. Cause yeah. Because, I mean, the thing about the love story is, like, initially it seemed like there was going to be a triangle, but then you realize that you're never actually going to meet her boyfriend. You're just going to get these random little glimpses of them trying to make him look like a douche. Well, until he beats the crap out of Sean William Scott. Because Which was, was just a weird... Yeah. But, it, again, it, 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 it brings you back to his character. Because in that moment, you don't need to see it happen as a child, but you get in that moment that when he was raised, he was taught that when it's time to take a beating, whether you can beat the other guy or not, you take that beating. I can't see Eugene Levy giving that lesson. Yeah, That's exactly. The thing. I, I'm, well, I'm right there it, w- it would have made more sense if Eugene Levy was played by The Rock. No, but look <laughs> at it this way. If, if, if you're a kid, let's say you're five years old. Okay, and I'm you're five. Parents are ones who spank and, you know, you fight them at first for the spanking for doing something wrong. And he tells you, you know, there's a time to something right. Take on the people that you're going to take on. But when you're due a punishment, then you take it like a man and you you move on. And maybe he didn't learn it from his dad. Maybe he right. learned it just on the streets of Boston. It's like you I, he believed that he was taking somebody else's girl and that that is something that he needed to be punished for. And in a way, he selflessly gave uh, the boyfriend back kind of the manhood that he lost. Exactly. The guy but kind of it, it under it undermines an important part of his personality. Now he is in a weaker state for his teammates to protect them. 
Yeah, I mean, because he has this whole archetype of being the protector through the entire movie. And then this one time he lets the guy in the glasses beat the crap out of him in the middle of a street. And nobody on the block goes, hey, Frank's kicking the shit out of a dude down there. Yeah, and I'm assuming, I mean, in real life, like, you'd let somebody punch you once, maybe twice. You wouldn't let somebody, like, beat the shit out of you. Because (coughs) it's not exactly unheard of for people to leave their significant others for someone else. So that's not exactly like the most egregious thing in the world but that's not the way he saw it i mean he thought it was a matter of like in order to feel i can be with this girl i have to make this right and uh, he's got this unusual almost inhuman tolerance to pain so in order to feel like he'd earned it and could move forward that was something he had to do Mm. yeah Mm. no i i appreciated the hell out of that scene and didn't see any problem with it yeah i think it was too far out from what he was you know for the previous 50 minutes of the movie see i I think it makes perfect sense because he in his mind as 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 naive as he as he was and as kind of slow and, and very simple man that he was for him he did something wrong by taking this person away from this other person so therefore he deserved that person deserved the right to take some sort of penance from him for it and also like like i think josh said you know it it gave him back his manhood so he could go back out there and find another girl plus it probably made sean william scott feel a little better about the whole thing that he uh he let him feel like he was a bigger guy and he walks away with this girl that he thinks is the end of the world you know the bee's knees yeah, and I mean, being a hockey player and loyal to his team, that's his thing. But it's not necessarily the most important thing in his world. The most important thing in his world is like being true to himself and being true to the people around him. And in that moment, uh, the girl he was about to take on as his girlfriend was more important than his team. I can't agree with you there, where while he's on the ice, the team is the most important thing. While he's in the locker room, the team is the most important thing. But outside of that, family and, you know, um, uh, what's her name? Eva definitely took precedence over it. You know, he knew when to leave the, uh, leave the rink behind but i i still can't get behind i'm I'm with pat on this one i can't get behind the fact that this guy who is it's is this this protector and this good guy would feel that he needs to let this random dude punch him in the face a dozen times just to be able to keep going with eva i could that was just too strange for me on that one see i think it's his i think it's his version of uh, chivalry is not the right word but it's his it's version of, of doing the right thing yeah his, his very simplistic simple-minded sense of honor i have to make this right this is just something i gotta do uh, he's not gonna feel right about being with her right because he didn't get the impression that she left this guy because this guy was a douche she uh, uh from his perspective, that was wronged, and he was a part of that. And he wasn't going to make Eva take a punch for it. He was going to defend her and uh, pay the price for her to get away from this guy to be with him. Mm-hmm. And the only way he knew how. But was it implied that that she was going to take a beating from him? No, but you understand. You got to understand that Glatt doesn't have any other. He's not going to sit down and have an intellectual conversation and work through the emotions with him. No, he knows how to do two things: deliver a punch and take one. Hmm. He's kind of like bringing the only tool in his toolbox to this problem. Hmm. All right. Well, I guess we know where the four of us stand on that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right. Which is fine. I mean, that's a, that you know what, though, that's a sign of a good film is that if there's discussion and it's it's an open discussion, you can't really 
pin down the motivations, but everybody gets something different out of it or gets something even the same out of it. I mean, it just shows that, that it was written in a way that created that sort of uh, dialogue. I think that's that's impressive. So yeah, for a hockey movie, that's basically a, a dick and fart joke in a lot of ways. Well, How would everybody feel about the ending? Um, hmm. I felt there was good closure on, like Joel said, the passing of the torch thing. I mean, I think there was a little bit of, oh, he'll be fine. I mean, if this, this company, I mean, this company, this, this, this team has got this defender and he gets taken off the, off the ice. I don't know. I, a little bit of a break in the, uh, in the disbelief was, you know, okay, he'll be fine. Oh, she's got him. He'll take, you know, she'll take care of him type of thing. Whereas, you know, in the rest of the rest of the movie, you know, people are being carted out on on stretchers. I mean, I was a little bit put off by that, but I think that there was a good a, a good ending to what it was that he wanted to do with being in the hockey team. If that makes any sense. He's like, I did my job. I protected this. This guy went down. He was the biggest threat to the team at this point. Now, I don't know if he actually understood that he was king of the hill at this point, or he just went, yeah, I did good. I knocked the bad, the bad guy down. Oh, I don't know that he saw Ross Ray as a bad guy. I, I don't think he saw if that was the way he saw him at all. It was just like they were enforcers on different teams. And in order to protect a Laflamme and to get to the playoffs, his job was to fight mm. uh, Ray. But I think they respected each other. Um, yeah, I definitely think they respected each other for sure. But I, I, I thought it was awesome that uh, they didn't cheap out. They couldn't have ended it just with the fight. That was the most important thing. But they had to show that this is the key moment. The enforcers taking each other out that allows Laflamme to do what uh, Glatt was there to do for him in the first place was to get him back, get his head back in the game. Mm-hmm. Not just get his head back in the game for a couple minutes until the next time somebody. Uh, bumps into him and fall apart again. Laflamme's back at the end. Yeah, that is true. I mean, he definitely, he, I mean, he scores that, you know, this next goal is for you type of thing, you know, that, and he kind of, I mean, I guess that by the end of it, just listening to the, to the cast in the back of the, you know, in the, in the locker room, Doug knows that he's done what he was been brought on for and knowing that Laflamme is actually scoring again, is actually out there playing and playing well. Yeah, I mean, this reminded me of a cross between like Slapshot and Rocky with a little bit of Forrest Gump in there somewhere. That's the most bizarre but most accurate explanation of this movie that I've heard. <laughs> it's like if Forrest Gump played hockey. I love you, Jenny. Skate, Forrest, skate. I was reminded of Punch Drunk Love. What? I said I was reminded of Punch Drunk Love instead of Forrest Gump. But I don't think I've seen Punch Drunk Love. Mm. I don't um, think I want to see Punch Drunk Love. It's an interesting comparison because... Um, Just in the love story part of it. That's what, well, right, because Adam Sandler's character in that film is borderline... Uh, viol- I mean, he's violent, but he also is kind of naive. He's very uh, loving and caring to, you know, uh, Emily Mortimer. Or no, not Emily Mortimer. Um, Blunt. No, not Emily Blunt either. Who was it then? Why can't I think of who it was? It was Emily Mortimer. Anyway, to the girl character, his girlfriend's character in the film. And, you know, he comes from this weird, broken household where he grew up with girls that completely uh, abused him verbally and and mentally his entire life so he doesn't quite know how to function in regular society but at the same time at at his core he is genuinely a good decent nice guy that's just had a lot of people take advantage of him and 
he's kind of taken it back and she's the reason for it. Mm. So it's, it's a, it's a, it's an excellent movie. It's Paul Thomas Anderson. It's, it's a really simple love story at the core, but there's so much else to it. I think that's a good comparison. Patrick, right. nice pull. Thank you. Thank you. So you think we're uh, good on that? Yeah, maybe so. it's time for the uh, thumbs up, thumbs down for both. I'm just amazed at how analytical we got about these movies. They're, they're hockey movies, but yet look at how much <clears throat> we got out of it. That's crazy. Well, Joel, let's start with you then. Okay. Um, the first time around I saw both of them, I was mediocre to not impressed with Slapshot. And Goon, I enjoyed, but I didn't love it. The second time around, Slapshot, I've grown to appreciate and would actually probably watch again. And Goon, I just, I really, I got it a lot more this time around and I just kind of fell in love with it. And I'm excited to see this sequel now that I didn't know existed. So thumbs up uh, both. Uh, Patrick? <laughs> yes. What do you think? Uh, thumbs down on both. Oh, really? Yeah. Wait. What? 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 Any further comments? <laughs> that, nope. What? That's it. No. <laughs> After um, all that stuff you said? What do you mean, all that stuff I said? Sorry, I'm back. I was killing a spider. Another one. Everything that you were saying seemed so positive. Like, you really enjoyed it and got a lot out of it, but... I'm, I'm not sad. surprised by his verdict. I'd I just like to hear more. Yeah, um, I don't know why. Slapshot, I just, you know, as I explained, I expected it to be much more of a raucous comedy than, than like I said, a comedic take on Deer Hunter. Um, <laughs> so, um, uh-huh. I don't know. I just... And... and other than the Hanson brothers, the moments that were supposed to be funny just really weren't that funny. Like the, the you know the 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 creepy molester guy, he was supposed to be like comic relief and stuff. And like no, he he was just creepy. So yeah, thumbs down on that one. I just you know with with every all the hype I'd heard about it, I expected it to be much funnier. Um, and then Goon, I don't know. I just felt like it. Um, I mean, I understand that it was a kind of a there was there was kind of the height of the enforcer period in hockey. But I don't like that it basically just kind of insinuated, you know, that hockey is pretty much just fighting on ice with a little bit of hockey in between, you know, with a little bit of stick action and puck in between. Like the game, you know, I mean, I don't know. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a group of, of hockey enthusiasts that are actually anti fighting. And there's obviously hockey fans that are, that go to games just to see fights. So, I mean, you know, I mean, you're, there, there are a lot of purists that say, you know, you should get rid of fighting, make it, you know, get, you know, and there are, like I said, people that go just for that. So I just felt like this, this movie made it seem like that's all a hockey game is, is just, you know, fighting with a little bit of hockey in between. And I just, I couldn't get behind. As much as I liked the character and as much as Sean William Scott himself seems like just such a likable guy, I just, I don't know, I didn't really care anything for this character hmm. other other than he was a nice guy. I'm like, okay, yeah, he's a nice guy. All right. And then just, you know, for some reason he, he can fight. So it, like, like Happy Gilmore, we're just going to move him up in the ranks. You know, it just, I don't know. It just seemed, I don't know. Hey, you're not on time, trial for your opinion. We're just curious. No, no, no. I'm, I'm yeah. trying to explain it too. Cause I just, the whole time I'm watching it, I just was like, I don't even really like this. And I, I, I have a hard time pinpointing exactly why. I just know that I didn't really care for it. I mean, and, and like my comparison to Punch Truck Love was just because, yeah, the, the relationship was so awkward and everything. But it wasn't, even even their relationship wasn't that appealing to me. You know, I mean, I didn't really care if he ended up with her or not. I mean, I didn't care if she left her boyfriend or not because he didn't know anything about the boyfriend. So, you know, what does it matter if she leaves him or not? You know, obviously the relationship that she has with this guy is just a plot device. So, I don't know. All right, Josh. Um, I uh, when it comes to Slapshot, while I don't know that I recommend the film, uh, I think it's hard to enjoy. 
I ended up enjoying it, so I'm going to give it a qualified thumbs up. Uh, I, I found some things about it troubling, partially because it's accurate to the time it was made and partially just because it had some kind of cringy and difficult to watch things. But overall, I appreciated the fact that I watched Slapshot. And I'm much more enthusiastic in my thumbs up for uh, Goon. Um, I, I think it did everything Slapshot wanted to do on the serious side better and wasn't constrained to the hockey com the sports comedy formula hmm. there wasn't any guy sacrificing a chicken or anything right <laughs> i gotta say with Slapshot again i'm with patrick i was expecting i was expecting the wacky you know uh wild thing you know the hansen brothers out there more than they actually were and not so many, oh my god, I think there might actually be a suicide in this movie type situations. <laughs> um, but yeah, I gotta give a thumbs down on Slapshot. I mean, for all the hype that I heard about it and how this is, this is, the, oh my god, it's this wacky sports, you know, wacky hockey movie. I was expecting like bad news bears. You know, I was expecting, you know, um, you just said the name of it, Josh. Just lost it. Baseball game. Major Base League? Major League. I was expecting that sort of thing from it. And instead, what I got was awkward 70s humor and, uh, you know, a retrospective on how awful life on the road is. So, and for. And a, a pisshole. And a pisshole, which was. No, no, pisshole no, was. No, from, that was in the next movie. Next that was in the next movie, yeah. Um, I, while I didn't understand the pisshole in Goon, um, seeing that the bathroom was directly behind them, and they must have had that pisshole custom made for the bus, which brings up other troubling questions. Uh -huh. Um, I, I liked Goon more than I thought I would, but not enough to watch it again. Be like, okay, that was a, that was a sports movie. I enjoyed it. It was a good movie. Um, but I'm not going to be like, uh, it, you know, it's definitely not hitting, you know, big trouble in little China status in my book. It's not going to be one of those, oh, I, oh, it's on. I'm going to just finish watching it type of things. I mean, it's, it was a good, uh, reflection on Sean William Scott's character as Doug Glatt and, you know, him taking the one thing he knew how to do and running with it or skating with it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, um, you know, it was it was better than I thought it was, but I'm not going to actively seek it out again. So I'm going to give it a kind of like a 45 degree thumbs up. Like, yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I don't thumb know why. Is, it's a thumb askew. Yes. I don't know why that excited Joel so much. That's kind of weird. <laughs> I think it was your, your call to an angle. Ah, would, right. I don't understand math. He loves protractor jokes. So what are we doing next week? <laughs> he thinks my protractor is sexy. So no, wow. no, we're not doing protractors next week. No. What we're doing next week is we're uh, You're going not. To, we are likely to be eaten by a Gru. We're going to be talking about adventure games yes. from uh, Zork through the Sierra and LucasArts golden years of the 80s and 90s, all the way to the recent resurgence of the graphical adventure game with Telltale and uh, titles like Tales from the Borderlands and the Walking Dead seasons. Monkey Island. Yeah, Monkey Island, Sam and Max. We're going to talk about all those things where you play a story mainly by uh, picking up random objects and trying to use them on everything that looks like it might be clickable on the screen. Right. Right. There must be a way to attach the pulley to the rubber chicken, because that just makes sense, doesn't it? Yes. 
So uh, if you're looking for that show after we record it and post it next week, but in the meantime, look at our older shows, which are on iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, and TalkShoe, and our home on the web at 40go14.com. And if you're looking to uh, give us some commentary, if you like hockey movies or you really are passionate about the Mighty Ducks and feel that we've given it a disservice by not watching all five of them, Call us at seven zero eight or eight. How many? Do are not now? leave that voice. Yeah, I was gonna say if, if you're if you're a fan of the Mighty Ducks, you, you can keep that to yourselves. Aside from Tommy the Duck, that's assumed. Yeah. There's only three of them, and they're good. <laughs> so uh, seven zero eight now wrap. That's seven zero eight six six nine nine seven two seven. So word. yeah, word. You are now leading the world of Musings of a Geek Podcast Network. Stay geeky, my friends. Take two of these and call me in the morning.